Oh, I asked, where's the beef? Let's call this for what this is. Oh my God. <laughs> they are so hopelessly woke. How dare you? <laughs> that is the intellectual capital of the left today. Give me a break. You are now watching the Daily Roundup. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Daily Roundup on this, a Thursday, April 13th, 2023. I'm David Menzies and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host. Do you know, folks, that today is International Special Librarians Day? And my co-host was going to go down to the Coburg Public Library and wish well on all the special librarians, but she just didn't want to bump into a vulgar drag queen. She is the she-devil with a slingshot. She is the Khaleesi of the greater Coburg area. She is Tamara Ugolini. How you doing there, Tamara? Well, I'm glad I decided to wear my librarian glasses today because it seems to be quite fitting. So I'm well, David. How are you doing? You know what? I, I, I got to tell you, with those glasses, I'm experiencing a Clark Kent Superman thing here. You know, uh, it, it's like, wh where's Tamara? Who's that woman in the glasses? And it's it's kind of like, you know, uh, Clark Kent. Hey, Kent, uh, where have you been? Takes the glasses off. Superman, how did you get here? <laughs> I mean, I'm putting on I, my journalist glasses today. Yeah, you look totally different. So I, I guess all those decades reading Superman comics where I was such a skeptic, even as a child, how is this guy fooling anyone with glasses? It works. You're the proof in the pudding. And also, I'm a woman, so let's not get our gender <laughs> confused there with uh, Superman, Spider-Man, all the, all the mans. Oh, you know what? That, oh, that gets the wheels turning on how we, uh, we go forward with these figures um, in wake of gender being a social construct. But anyway, that's not part of our discussion today. Maybe that will be part for another day. Ah. Um, but before we get into <laughs> the news of the day, yes. um, if you're joining us, this is our daily live stream, uh, daily roundup where we dissect to get into the news of the day. And we are streaming live on a few different platforms. So first and foremost is Rumble and Odyssey. Those seem to be the least censorious, well, and Twitter, the least censorious platforms. Um, but we are also on Getter. I should say the Getter is also a non-censorious platform. But YouTube, which we are currently streaming live on, is, uh, well, becoming more and more censorious. So if we get into certain topics, which I don't think we will today we will have to cut our stream there so i would just urge anyone who is over on youtube which we have a fairly large following there and we don't want to lose our followers so if you are following us on youtube just head over to one of those other platforms rumble odyssey getter or twitter and join us there uh, youtube has almost demonetized sorry almost deplatformed us they have demonetized us so you can no longer give us a small monetary donation in the form of a chat where we can discuss and engage with you during the live stream, but you can still do that on, uh, I believe it's Rumble and Odyssey. So you can do a super chat or a hyper chat. And if you uh, chip in $5 or more, then we will read your comment on screen. So please head on over there and do that because we love to hear from our viewers and we love to get your views, but also uh, provide commentary back and forth. So it's a fun way to keep our journalism afloat because we don't take handouts from the government while also chatting with us directly. Um, so I, first and foremost, David, do you want to kick off the this uh, this short clip that we have of Trudeau um, and, and these, the ongoing election interference claims? Yes. I mean, I'm 
getting sort of uh, confused following all the scandals. Is this Chinese <laughs> influence with uh, certain uh, liberals running in the last two or three federal elections, such as Han Dong, uh, allegedly? Or is this more fallout from the uh, Trudeau Foundation? Looks like they were trying to refund that uh, donation from a Chinese billionaire, but it's kind of looking like he didn't make the donation. It was some kind of uh, Chinese company, and this check is now bouncing back and forth. I mean, this scandal, pardon me, these scandals, Tamara, are going from bad to worse, to downright rancid. And where are we right now? Oh, uh, yeah, a Trudeau family friend will be the special rapporteur uh, for the um, Chinese uh, influencing. That's uh, David uh, Johnson. Uh, once again, because this joke doesn't go stale, we're going to have a Johnson investigating a dong drum riff here. Um, but yeah, let's see uh, Blackface uh, trying to spin this. Uh, again, now he's, uh, I, I guess he's taking a shot uh, uh, with um, Pierre Polyev. So let's check out this 40-second clip. David Johnston uh, is one of the uh, most um, appropriate, and he's, he's a man of incredible integrity. Uh, his ability uh, to look into the question of foreign interference in our political systems uh, remains uh, something that is extremely important to do and extremely important to take seriously. And I will highlight as well that uh, the uh, snarkiness with which uh, the leader of the official opposition is approaching these serious issues uh, doesn't do him any credit, and it doesn't do credit to the kinds of serious discussions need to be had around foreign interference. Tamara, not good enough, damn it. Right now, Blackface has to forget the whole special rapporteur kabuki theater and go right to having a public inquiry look into this mess that gets more rancid with every passing day. Your thoughts, my friend. Yeah, well, there should have been a public inquiry called from the onset. And I believe in the House of Commons, they did vote to launch a full public inquiry, but Trudeau and his ministers seem to be hiding behind the idea that this would expose some sort of uh, issues of national security. And so as a result, you see Trudeau appoint what he calls a special rapporteur. I don't know what makes um, Johnston so special other than the fact that he was part of the Trudeau Foundation. I mean, he's clearly special to Trudeau, but he's not special in his ability or his merits to be able to conduct such an investigation. In fact, I would argue that he is quite the opposite. Um, and we and that that was a hit on the leader of the opposition, Pierre Polyev, leader of the uh, Federal Conservative Party, who has since issued a tweet that we have, we can pull up. And <laughs> I love just sort of the blunt... Um, forthcomingness of this, if that's even a word, of this um, this publication. So he sends it to this special rapporteur, David Johnston, even titles it special rapporteur, which is uh, added hilariousness there. But dear <laughs> rapporteur, in quotes, explain this. How will you investigate Beijing's donation to the True Trudeau Foundation when you are part of the Trudeau Foundation. <laughs> Awaiting your answer, signed Pierre Polyev. Um, yeah, great question. And Canadians are kind of just sitting here with bated breath, wondering the same. Yeah. And 
Blackface is saying, oh, no, I have nothing to do with the Trudeau Foundation, despite the fact that it has my surname attached to it, despite the fact that there are blood relatives uh, on the Trudeau Foundation. It's outrageous. As for this special rapporteur, I mean, uh, that just shows you the conceit. Um, you know, Blackface, he's he's extra special, you see, uh, Tamara. He doesn't want a garden variety rapporteur. He doesn't want just a regular rapporteur. It's a special rapporteur, which, by the way, don't let the uh, moniker fool you, folks. All that means is an advisor. That's it. That, and the advisor happens to be a family friend that Trudeau has known for like four decades. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's shocking. How about just uh, getting a, a garden variety uh, Toronto rapporteur? I understand there's many mm -hmm. of those available after last night when the Chicago Bulls bounced the Toronto rapporteurs. Or is that Raptors? Jeez, it's also confusing <laughs> to me, <laughs> Tamara. Well, and if, if anyone at home who's listening doesn't take your word for it, that this is a family friend, we have that straight from the horse's mouth. Trudeau himself, and we'll show you the clip here, actually, um, he admitted that this special rapporteur, David Johnston, is, in fact, a close family friend. Let's, If we have that, let's, uh, let's show it here. I've known the Governor General since I was a kid, <laughs> visiting him and his daughters when he was principal at McGill to spending time on the ice or the slopes at their uh, family home in the Laurentians. And I've always known him to be a man of strength, intelligence, and compassion. But getting to know someone as a family friend or a friend of your father's is very <laughs> different from having the honor of working alongside them. So it has been a true honor since the beginning of my mandate, to come to know the Governor-General not only as a friendly neighbor, quite literally, but as a man of integrity who embodies the principles for which our country stands. A fellow educator and lifelong learner, His Excellency has dedicated his life to public service. Whether it was at McGill or at Rideau Hall, his career has been marked by his willingness to give back to a country that has given us all so much to be thankful for. Yeah, a, a friendly neighbor, uh, Tamara. Uh, gee, I wonder if uh, during that relationship, the teenage uh, Justin Trudeau went to David Johnson's house and said, uh, excuse me, sir, can can I bo uh, borrow a cup of blackface, please? I want to dress up as a uh, African-American person and stick out my tongue and make sure you have a lot of it so I can cover my arms and legs uh, with that. Just unbelievable. But, you know, it's how blatant is this, Tamara, that he would basically admit to a conflict of, uh, you, you know, in, in terms of appointing uh, David Johnson, a family friend, a, a great neighbor, someone that we skied with, skated with. Uh, and by the way, there's plenty of blame to go around here. David Johnson, if he is this, um, you know, top shelf kind of public official, he should have recused himself. He should have said, you mm -hmm. know, yes, the Trudeaus are family friends, but for that reason, I cannot accept this position because it is either a conflict of interest, which it is, or it gives the appearance of a conflict of interest, which, Tamara, is just as bad. 
Right. hundred percent. I completely agree. But being family friends aside, this person also was part of the Trudeau Foundation, <laughs> which is now being discovered, received donations questionably from Beijing, the Chinese Communist the, the Communist Party of China, which is where the election interference and meddling in our democracy stems from. And so, yeah, they might be family friends. So they're, you know, you're killing two birds with one stone here. This person is both conflict of interest riddled as a family friend, but also as a member of the very foundation that's said to be in part receiving the financial meddling by the CCP. So why, yeah, this person that is espoused as having such integrity yeah. isn't recusing themselves. I mean, we know that Justin Trudeau does not have integrity. This is the uh, prime minister with the most ethics violations against him in Canadian history. And so we don't expect much more in terms of merit from the prime minister, sadly enough. But you would think that this individual holds themselves to such regard and with such integrity, then yeah, absolutely, David, you're right that they would recuse themselves. But here we are in Canada, uh, being riddled with conflict of interest, left, right and center by all levels of government, really. Um, so this is just another nail in the coffin, in my opinion, on on that. Um, oh, so Jamara. maybe we should move on here to the next little clip. Before we do, I'm sorry, my friend, but in the interest of accuracy, I have to correct you. You said that Trudeau said Johnson was a man of integrity. Uh-uh-uh. Incredible integrity was the quote, you know, just like it's not just a rapporteur, it's a special rapporteur. Why didn't he say extra special rapporteur? But no, Johnson is beyond integrity. It's incredible integrity. And I'll tell you why he doesn't have incredible integrity. Like I said earlier, if he did, he would recuse himself from this position. Shame on him and shame on mm -hmm. blackface. Mm -hmm. Move on now, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have another clip here um, where Trudeau denies that his justice minister, uh, who has said previously that he is looking to take control of individual provinces and territories, natural resources. So that's David Lametti. Um, and uh, the prime minister, essentially, well, you'll hear from it, him yourself, but he essentially accuses uh, premiers of being non-committed to UNDRIP. That's the United Nations Declarations on the Rights of Indigenous People. So we're going to talk about that, but let's show you this clip first. Hi, I'm Lack from the Free Press. I wanted to ask about the Natural Resources Transfer Act. Uh, is it appropriate, in your opinion, to review the agreements, and how do you address the concerns raised by the Prairie Premiers? Let me be very clear. Uh, the Minister of Justice uh, said no such thing. If you actually look at his remarks, um, it is very clear that we're talking about the importance of the federal government living up to our responsibilities under UNDRIP, something that unfortunately the Prairie Premiers have not taken seriously, and they are instead trying to um, elevate fears that have absolutely no grounding in truth. Uh, we know we need to move forward in true reconciliation and partnership uh, with Indigenous peoples, and that's something that we certainly hope we're going to be able to work on uh, with the Premiers uh, and with Indigenous peoples uh, to be able to grow the economy and create those great jobs, including uh, in natural resources, uh, that are going to be there for decades to come as we move towards a net-zero world. Oh my God, Tamara, the chutzpah, <laughs> the sheer unmitigated gall. He's all about uh, Indigenous rights. 
What is it? We have like over 30 reserves where there is a boil advisory for the drinking water. And I remember mm -hmm. a protest, or I think it was Grassy Narrows, if uh, memory serves well, uh, in the last election campaign, uh, she complained about this and he mocked her. He made a joke about this uh, female native complaining about the fact that their reserve does not have drinking water. And then when it comes to creating good, sustainable jobs, quite the opposite is happening. We know with the number of uh, oil sands projects shut down, and believe me, there are many natives that are employees with these good, high-paying jobs. They're the ones losing out as well as other Canadians. So what is he talking about? Well, exactly. And what is he talking about when he says that Lametti didn't say those things? I mean, maybe for our viewers at home, we should have perhaps started with this clip, but we have the clip. So let's, you know, listen for yourselves. What do you make of this? You tell us from in the Chief comments. Brian, also from Chief Don Maracle, uh, the, the point about the, the natural resources transfer agreement. Um, Chief Merkel did it indirectly. Uh, Chief Bryan did it directly. Um, and you're on the record for that. I obviously can't pronounce on that right now, uh, but I do commit to looking at that. Um, it won't be uncontroversial is, uh, is the only thing I would say with a, a bit of a smile. Um, first of all, why would you say... They know how wrong they are. Yeah, but why would you say it won't be uncontroversial as I say, with a bit of a smile, what, what, what are you smiling about when you're creating controversy? And I can tell you what the politics are behind this when it comes in and trying to control the resources of the uh, provincial uh, prairie provinces. It's this, Tamara, even if there is outrage in Alberta, Saskatchewan and so forth, uh, it doesn't matter to the Liberals. They're already vastly unpopular there. Their vote base is eastern Ontario and, and, and Quebec. And um, so the idea that uh, we're going to do some virtue signaling controversial move, and even if it makes the average Albertan seethe, big deal. Well, we've written off Alberta decades ago, so uh, it's no harm, no foul. Exactly. Well, and for anyone at home who might not know what, what exactly we're talking about, um, I'd like to just pull up Drea Humphrey, our BC reporter's report on the subject back from December of 2022. So a few months ago, she did a really in-depth report here, and I'm not sure if we can pull it up on screen, but I just wanted to read the first few paragraphs. Um and of course, it's a full video. She does a full length interview here, uh, but I'll just read from her, her written copy. It says, have you heard of the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples Act? That's UNDRIP before. Um, it's described by the Canadian government as a law to affirm, recognize and emphasize the respect and recognition of the human rights of Indigenous peoples. And I think there are only a select few countries where this is happening, Canada, United States, I think New Zealand and Australia, I may be missing one in there. But um, while it may sound like a positive step toward more truth and reconciliation, in this report, you'll learn that Canada's adoption of UNDRIP could lead to a two-tiered system where those who don't fall into the UN's policies ambiguous definition of Indigenous peoples wind up as the have-nots in society. And in this report, she interviews Ron Valent, who is a concerned Albertan and has been sounding the alarm about UNDRIP for years. Um, and I guess he also ran in the federal election as a People's Party of Canada candidate. 
But there are specific concerns here with UNDRIP Articles 5, 26, 28, 30, and 36. And I know we had um, a couple tweets also from Dave Shrigley where we can just show you what some of those articles allege. Um, let me just pull them up and maybe we can also pull them up on screen at the same time. So Article 26, this is from the UNDRIP document itself. Indigenous peoples have the right to the lands, territories, and resources which they have traditionally owned, occupied, or otherwise used or acquire. Talk about ambiguously worded. And then um, there's another one here, Article 38. Oh, I'm having a bit of an issue. Uh, Article 38 states in consultation and cooperation. Sorry, it's not loading there. Um, indigenous peoples shall take the appropriate measures, including legislative measures to achieve the ends of this declaration. So this, this really, again, similar to all these globalist power grabs, the WHO, the UN, the World Economic Forum, um, this threatens the sovereignty of, of our nation and, and really threatens private land ownership. Um, as detailed in this interview that Drea does with Ron. So for anyone who isn't sure about what UNDRIP is, I would highly suggest that you go and check that out. And you can even pull up the declaration yourself to, to have a read through it because it's obviously ambiguously worded, but the interpretation of it uh, can be very concerning. You know, that's just amazing, Tamara. I mean, talk about a Trojan horse. You've got something about the rights of Indigenous peoples. Who would be against that? But like you just did, you went into the nitty gritty and uh, it's all about a pro-globalist agenda. Yeah, and dissolving private land ownership rights. And I mean, there's so many countries all across the world where, you know, who were the first people in, of the land and will they be coming to claim their property rights in another 5, 10, 15 years? I mean, this is, it, it's a rabbit hole to go down and to start to, to try to give land back or acknowledge the rights of the first peoples of the land. I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't any atrocities that happened here to uh, the First Nations and the Indigenous people. But um, this piece of legislation doesn't come from the Canadian government. It doesn't come from an independent country's government. It comes down from the United Nations. Uh, so that in and of itself is very concerning and, again, threatens the sovereignty of our nation and of the individuals. And, and where does it stop, too, right? Like, that's a very slippery slope to try to implement these extremely ambiguously worded articles um, with no clear definition, as Drea says in this report, of what an Indigenous person is. And you know what, Tamara, for what it's worth, I just can't get past that acronym, UNDRIP. It's like you go to a plumber mm -hmm. and say, I've got a dripping faucet. Can you make it UNDRIP? Um, <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> moving right along. You know, we have to take an ad break right now, uh, Tamara. Yes. But uh, on the other side, uh, it looks like our expose of that fraudulent fraudster, that lying liar, that grifter, the most infamous shop teacher in the in the world, Kerry uh, Luke, aka Kayla, aka Busty Lemieux. Well, it's getting international attention. So once again, the ball is in the court of those hopeless woke joke educrats at the Halton District School Board. Are they going to do the right thing? And basically, 
fire him for lying to his employer. But we'll get right into that and we'll show a clip from the uh, Gutfield show uh, right after this, folks. My mug? I know. It's pretty cool. So is this hoodie I got on, and you could have it on too if you check out our special website at rebelnewsstore.com. That's where you can see freedom focus hoodies that we have for you, beanies, cell phone cases, you name it, all while supporting our journalism where we fight to bring you the other side of the story as opposed to, you know, being forced by the Trudeau government to fund leftist media out of your taxes. The truth is... Without you and your generosity, there is no Rebel News. So again, if you like the reports that we bring you and that we also fight for freedoms in Canada, please consider doing some shopping, picking up some swag at rebelnewsstore.com. We appreciate your support. Are you liking the banter on our live stream that you're watching right now? If so, you should know that you can get exclusive Rebel News content by going to rebelnewsplus.com. You'll get special shows from my colleague Sheila Gunn-Reed, Ezra Levant, as well as the Menzoid Menzies. And you'll also get to view our exclusive documentaries, including the one that tells you the truth of what was actually discovered, at least what is known to be discovered so far at the Kamloops Indian Residential School. Take a look at the trailer. Well, the remains of 215 children have been found in a mass grave in Canada. Many of you know that just over a year ago, the discovery of the remains of 215 children was found at the Kamloops Indian Residential School at the Tecumseh First Nation. But what if I were to show you that what I just said wasn't true? and that in fact, a year later, not a single body has been found. This mass grave is a painful reminder of the genocide. Canada's leaders aren't condemning the burning of churches. No, they're endorsing the burning of churches. A juvenile rib bone that surfaced in the same area. You'd be surprised the number of people who say, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm a paramedic. This is definitely a human bone and it's hmm. definitely not. Is it the chief? Now that was now, top-notch reporting. Well, in addition to that particular documentary, we have one underway currently that they're filming with our uh, head of documentary, Kian Simone, and of course, our chief editor, Sheila Gunn-Reed. Um, you can find out more at the special URL that we have, which is save the christians.com uh the documentary is called church under fire and it's a comprehensive documentary on the abuse of christian pastors and churches in canada throughout the covid19 pandemic um, and so we are crowdfunding for the fees associated with the travel and the to see the documentary through. Um, so if you want to see the trailer there and follow along, you can do so at savethechristians.com. I'm really excited to see that one. They've been putting in a lot of really hard work over the last few weeks. Um, some really compelling interviews will come out of that one. But I think, David, you wanted to throw to um, an appearance that some of your footage had mm. last night. Indeed, uh, speaking of hard work, Lincoln, Jay, and I spent so many days, countless hours, 
trying to find Busty Lemieux. Uh, well, basically, uh, our wish came true. We wanted to catch him dressed as a male, sans breast, because you may recall he claimed several weeks ago to the New York Post, those breasts were real. He had a growth spurt at the age of 39. He has a very rare medical <laughs> condition, uh, which gives him enormous breasts. The condition does exist, but get a load of this, Tamara. Um, 300 people are afflicted with it, according to the Cleveland Clinic, but they're all um, biological females. <laughs> so this guy really is a modern medical miracle. So why don't we uh, roll uh, the Gutfield clip from last night and um, talk about what is going to come of this because April 19th, that's the next Halton District School Board meeting, which I shall not be attending. I've been trespassed for life from the Halton District School Board because these trustees, are, they're down with the radical trans revolution, folks, except when it comes right into their den in the uh, form of a reporter donning exactly the same props as a shop teacher. Then they, they don't like the impoliteness of it all. Anyways, uh, let's run uh, Gutfield's clip and we'll take it up after this. Why do men suddenly decide that they're women? They've been incentivized. Suddenly the non-binary male is on par with the actual female in the area of rights. That's a first. Now in articles decrying sexual discrimination, females and trans females are grouped together, even if they're still biological men. Not bad, right? You still get to have a penis, but also become a protected class and wear pumps. <laughs> Our old friend Kayla Lemieux totally got it. The Canadian teacher with fake breasts the size of a dairy farm. <laughs> he decided to exploit the, exploit the identity politics grift to the point of absurdity. Here's new video from this week. Again, he's back to his normal self. Dressing inappropriately in front of children. But did you notice? No breasts. But Lemieux, I thought you told the world via the New York Post and the Toronto Sun that those were real mammary glands. It's true. Kayla had said those breasts magically grew organically. He said it was a symptom of gigantism. But now they're gone. Now, did they shrink in the cold? It happens. Trust me. But now everyone's a performance artist with beliefs as fluid as deer piss. And speaking of deer piss, you see that sales of Bud Light <laughs> are literally, they're literally in the can. Thanks to partnering with Dylan Mulvaney, the performance artist who, like the Canadian teacher, indulged stereotypes of women and drove beer sales into the toilet. Oh, what a great clip. Well, you know what? Two two wonderful subjects to talk about. Now, uh, Tamara, for a little bit of the backstory in terms of the ongoing, never-ending story of uh, Kayla, Kerry Luke, Busty Lemieux, what happened is several weeks ago, the New York Post had an exclusive interview with him where he said, 
those breasts were real. Now, they had a female journalist with them, and they asked, can we go into the restroom and verify that? Oh, no, of course. Uh, no, he's a little shy. It, yeah, coming from the uh, shop teacher who went skydiving with um, Canada's foremost conservative porn star, as he bills himself. I think he's called Voodoo or something like that. Yeah, he's a little, um, you know, shy little flower now. But the thing is, Tamara, when that was reported by the New York Post, the educrats at the Halton District School Board, they went, ah, they breathed a sigh of relief. Because you see, if those are real breasts, and according to a tweet by Lemieux, uh, a brassiere is too uncomfortable to wear, that's why he goes braless, well, what can we do? It would be like going to a disabled teacher in a wheelchair and saying, sorry, we don't want you here anymore. You're fired. Well, that's a human rights violation, much like this poor man suffering from a, a gigantic breast uh, syndrome is would to fire him would be a human rights violation, too. But as we proved last week, Tamara, the jig is up. He was <laughs> spotted without those breasts, which, which means one of two things happened. One, he got them amputated recently, and if so, he's made a remarkable recovery, but he is a modern-day medical miracle, as I said earlier. Or two, he lied, and we caught him in the lie, and guess what? I don't care who your employer is. I don't care if you're in a unionized environment. When you lie to your employers, that is cause for dismissal, period. Don't take it from me. Go to Canada's top labor lawyers. So... April 19th, uh, Tamara, that's the next Halton District School Board meeting. This has to be addressed. And if he's not gone by then, well, I guess it's, uh, it's another job for our um, Jumbotron truck to raise more awareness of this. Because as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, uh, there's no way he should be kept uh, on the payroll. And by the way, the board is paying him full salary and yeah. benefits to stay home. That's their solution to this. Mm -hmm. And um, like I said, there's no reason to keep him employed anymore. Uh, so it will be fascinating to see what happens because as if, if I was with the Holland District School Board, I would say that this gift from Rebel News, well, that's what it is. It's a gift. It saved us from going into... Uh, thousands of dollars of hiring a private eye to catch him like this. We did all the heavy lifting for free. What do you think is going to happen once it gets to the uh, board level, Tamara? Well, you would think that if logic would prevail, then this individual who is really the gift that keeps on giving, uh, this has what been several months now of trying to determine what exactly is going on with them. Are they just a, a very intelligent prankster? Because at the beginning, that was kind of the thought was that, wow, this is just throwing the woke jargon back in the woke wokeness face. Um, but this is seeming more and more like a real case of mental illness, fetid, weird fetish desires like uh, autogenophilia, which is the desire to dress as a woman and really become aroused by viewing yourself as a woman. And then, you know, that aside, you know, whatever you want to do in your private time, do you, if you want to engage in weird sexual deviances, you know what, just keep it behind closed doors. But this person has decided to bring it up front and center and 
forced minors to partake in their weird deviance. And so that's where this is concerning and grotesque and quite frankly, disgusting. And what's even more disgusting is, as you already stated, David, the fact that the board is paying him, her, he, she, they, them to sit at home Uh, You know, one day dressing up in their grotesque character of a woman, the next day going out as a normal man without the wig, without the makeup, without the massive uh, breasts. And that's not just the board paying them. That's you and me, right? Those are our taxpayer dollars going to fund this public institution and this public employee. So the absurdities here, um, you would think that if logic would prevail with this school board, yeah, absolutely, this would be, you know, case in point for a firing, a termination. But as, as the board proceeds with being their woke nonsense riddled selves, I don't know. And, and Tamara, um, if I can get Super Producer Efren to put up that photo that was just uh, being showcased the last uh, several seconds. There we are. That, by the way, folks, is a couple of years ago. This was a private dance recital. I believe the mm-hmm. dancers mm-hmm. were girls 8 to 12. It was not open to the public. In the intermission, Lemieux, in full drag regalia, snuck in. I spoke to people that were involved with this show. They didn't want to come on camera. But what they told me is that, as you can imagine, the mothers and the other parents and guardians that had brought their little girls to this um, recital were getting very concerned. And uh, I'm going to try to sanitize my language as much as possible because here was this stranger with these enormous breasts, nipples as per usual protruding, but he seemed to be getting sexually aroused. So they waited until when the last number ended uh, before the next one began. And they went down to Lemieux and they said, do you have a daughter here? And he said, no. And they go, we must ask you to leave. And he left. Mm-hmm. More to the point, Tamara, uh, yesterday a viewer sent along and I was guest hosting for Ezra event and my monologue was on this uh never-ending, sordid story of Busty Lemieux. This viewer sent along photos he took in Burlington. Guess what? Almost six years ago, June 2017. And I'm saying this, Tamara, because there's a lot of social media chatter where it goes, oh, rebel, uh, you dummies, don't you know you've fallen for the con too? No, this is not a guy taking a stance against wokeness, not when this gag has been running for six years, not when he's walking around uh, in the public realm in Burlington, not when he's sneaking in to a dance recital. That This is not an anti-woke statement. That's what I truly believe. This is somebody who has mental health issues. This is somebody who subscribes to some kind of fetish. This is somebody who might be a sexual pervert. And the fact that this story has dragged on now, you know, almost eight months, Tamara, when all they had to do at the very least was implement a dress code for this individual, a dress code, by the way, that exists for the students, a dress code that exists for Halloween costumes at Halton District Schools. You know, Tamara, if there was a female student at Oakville Trafalgar and she wore that kind of fashion that the board wouldn't come to her defense. The board, the school would suspend her. And mm-hmm. yet these wimps 
for the fear of coming across maybe as transphobic. And, and they can't even, uh, and Lemieux doesn't play that card anymore because in that same New York Post interview, Tamara, he said he is not trans. Okay, so he's admitted it. He's not transgendered. We have caught him without those breasts that were supposedly real. Why is he still on the payroll? That's it. This guy's got more lives mm -hmm. than a cat. Well, and why isn't the board in the best interest of the children protecting them against this potential sexual predator, right? This is weird fetish sexual deviance behavior. And the board is supposed to be there to protect the safety of children. And instead, they're kowtowing to the radical Wokies and trying to make sure that they accommodate all of the gender diversity um, who even knows what this person is, how they identify. I really don't care. You do what you want to do behind closed doors in your own time. But the moment that you bring this in front of minors and you start displaying grotesque, sexualized versions of whatever it is you're trying to promote or display or get off on, that's where it becomes an issue. And this school board will shame on them for not ensuring the safety of the students in this person's classes and the, the general safety of the student population. This is horrific. And as this investigation continues, and thank you, David, for your work on this file, because it sounds like nobody else is really interested in getting to the bottom of it, including and indefinitely this board itself. Um, because otherwise, how would we even know that this existed? And all of these children would have been subject to this fetish for the last several months. I mean, regardless, we're still paying this person to sit home and be a weirdo. So this really needs to be addressed immediately. And I'm, I'm really disgusted. The more and more I hear about this and the more tips that are received on the matter, it's grotesque. And the further along that we go on, on this eggshell walking, trying to accommodate, the more that there could be children being harmed in the way. And that's really, really disgusting to think about. A hundred percent, Tamara. And I can tell you in my follow-up calls, they've all but gone ignored, okay? Uh, I reached out to a trustee, Dr. Margaret Shuttleworth. Uh, she was completely evasive and said, and, and well, she passed the buck. She said, talk to the uh, human resources poobah. Of course. Uh, I left a message with his uh, assistant, uh, no call back. And I reached out to the Ministry of Education, which has an entire media relations team. Uh, no return uh, email to me. And by the way, you're not going to believe this, Tamara. One of the individuals in the communications team at the Ontario Ministry of Education is someone with the first name of Brahman. That's right. B-R-A-M-A-N. Brahman. I mean, you can't make this up. I reached out <laughs> personally to the Minister of Education, Stephen Lecce, <clears throat> nothing. And you know, Lecce right now, I feel sorry for him. He is coming across like a professional wrestling referee, Tamara. You know, the when the referee sees the villain with a foreign object, that's what Lecce is like with the HDSB, the Halton District School Board. He's going, listen, school board, I've warned you 13 times to address this Lemieux situation. And if you don't address it, I'm going to warn you a 14th time. This ballless minister of education, he should be disbanding the Halton District School Board. This might be the worst school board in all of Canada. And given how many cookie uber woke school boards there are in our great dominion, I'm telling you, Tamara, that's saying something.
Mm -hmm. Well, and it's unsurprising coming from the ministry that wants to solicit the gender identity and sexual orientation of children. Um, For anyone who's who's unaware, we've launched an entire campaign geared at at education minister Stephen Lecce at stopclassroomgrooming.com because children as young as kindergarten in many instances have been are, are being asked through student surveys what their gender identity and sexual orientation is. And I would argue that if a child that young knows anything about their gender identity and their sexual orientation, then we should definitely be engaging the Children's (laughs) Aid Society because that is textbook grooming and a clear indication that there is some form of abuse happening here. These are minors. These are young, young school-aged children that should have no idea about any of these this this ideal these these ideologues right why does a child know about gender identity and sexual orientation if they're having sexual experiences that's a problem that's a concern and there needs to be the appropriate bodies brought in to investigate that further so this this entire woke ideology that we um should should walk on eggshells about all the gender diversity and all these sexual orientations this has just gone too far yeah. Uh, this uh, is a topic reserved for adults and reserved for debate of adults. Why this is meddling and trickling down into these young, young schools is just per- so perverse and inappropriate. And the whole thing is really getting out of control. So I'm not surprised knowing that Stephen Lecce has been radio silent on this file. But I want to know when and who is going to start protecting the children. This is abuse, in my opinion. And this is grooming, textbook grooming 101. When are we going to start protecting the kids from this? This is it's it's absurd and it's insane that it's gone this far. I'll tell you when, Tamara. It's when people get engaged. It's when people mm-hmm. uh, look at who's running for school board trustee and you quiz them at the door and you ask them where they stand on this, that, and the other. And we need non-woke, decent people to run for school board trustee because it's yes. that position has been infiltrated by all out Marxists. You know, it is now a stepping Truly. stone to go into municipal, provincial and federal politics and they bring their filthy politics with them. And it has nothing to do with protecting uh, the kids. And I can tell you, by the way, mm-hmm. um, I also reached out to Meredith Camasuli, she, her. Uh, she, her is the principal of Oakville Trafalgar School. Oh, Tamara, you're not going to believe this. Mm, she's on stress leave. Mm, all this international <laughs> attention about our school. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and 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 apparently her replacement, Steve Oliver, he's also on leave. He couldn't even handle a bit about this. All these woke creatures um, saying diversity is our strength and we love the spirit rainbow unicorns. Uh, once they start getting a little heat, the snowflakes mm-hmm. melt. And uh, again, why not uh, get somebody involved uh, that's going to bring about tangible change? And as Gutfield showed, we should spend a few seconds on this, uh, Tamara. Uh, Dylan Mulvaney, the new yes. spokes thingy for Bud Light. You know, I was so just before pissed. David. Before we get to that one, sorry, I just want to read a couple super chats we got oh, on the Bestie file before we okay, move on. Then. 
Um, so Mike Freedom Honey gives $5. Thank you very much. He says, great job busting. <laughs> Busty, David. It's all about protecting kids, 100%. Um, I'm going to send you some swag. Keep up the good work. Oh, he's going to send well, us some swag. I wonder what that will entail. Mike, thank you so much. You can count on me to keep you abreast of the Busty Lemieux situation. <laughs> um, ableist SL gives $5. He says... Or he, am I assuming your gender? Maybe you can let us know in the comments. Gun <laughs> control has failed as cheaper 3D printing slash milling is increasingly bypassing it. Also attempting to suppress the files slash instructions like their CP is nothing but tyrannical bullshit. Well, sorry, America, BS, I should say on the, on the air. Gun control is a failure because, you know, despite what Justin Trudeau and Marco Pinocchio, I mean, Mendicino and Bill Blair, a former police chief of Toronto who should know better. Here's the thing with gun rules and gun laws. The criminals that are committing the crime, by definition, don't follow rules and laws. You see? You see the, the fallacy surprise, here? Surprise, so, surprise. <laughs> yeah. So while you're, you know, uh, putting on the heat to some Saskatchewan duck hunter, uh, meanwhile, a gangbanger in the inner city of Toronto has got a smuggled handgun and he's carrying out his carnage uh, that way. That's why gun control does not work one iota. Mm-hmm. All right. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt your segue into the Bud Light fiasco um, as Greg Gutfield started to kind of tie in there with the busty trans sanity, as we've coined it before. Well, you know what? I got to tell you, Tamara, um, this, I think, is the best news story of the week because Bud Light, <laughs> yeah. which decided to go woke, which decided to target their core audience, frat boys. I mean, we have a, there's a clip, an infamous clip now of the director of marketing. Um, it, it, by the way, she identifies herself as a businesswoman. My first question is, what's a businesswoman? Because we know we have a US Supreme Court justice, a female one, no less, who can't define just a woman, let alone a businesswoman. Yeah, so she takes a shot at the frat boys and then she embraces uh, uh, this uh, Dylan Mulvaney, uh, you know, I guess under the theme that uh, perversity is diversity to be the spokes thingy for Bud Light. And guess what, Tamara? Bud Light sales are going right into the toilet, as Greg Gutfield said. I understand Anheuser-Busch has lost uh, something like $4.6 billion in share value overnight. Can you imagine? So what this says to me is that the vast majority of normal people that aren't into drag queens at the library mm -hmm. in the school and the sporting rink, that aren't into uh, fake transgendered boob queens uh, teaching shop. We ain't buying what they are selling. And I am just waiting, Tamara, to see how Anheuser-Busch is going to recover. I say they do another ad and you know, present a sincere apology for that awful ad that caused this tanking of their number one brand in the first place. Uh, but I wonder if they're gonna to be too worried about becoming transphobic. I hope not, because I know this for sure, Tamara, when it comes to the business world, the bottom line is the bottom line. And even for a titan like Anheuser-Busch to lose over 4 billion US dollars because of this nonsense uh, of this uh, ad campaign that they uh, uh, presented, uh, they noticed that big time. What do you think's gonna happen? 
You know, I think that there's some discrepancies here because Bud Light themselves are saying that the uh, inclusive ad campaigns are good for business and they (laughs) they source. I'm looking at the CNN article uh, from yesterday. And so it says here, the headline, Bud Light's inclusive ad campaigns are good for business. Whose business? Right. I I Um, think the business of Coors Light. Their business. (laughs) Yeah, because when I drop the Bud Light, I'm going for the Coors Light. (laughs) And I love that they always say experts say, and if COVID's taught us anything about experts, it's that we should just blindly trust them. But more and more people are going, well, who are your experts? Um, so I don't, do we have a clip of Dylan Mulvaney that we can just show on? Dylan Mulvaney obviously is the transgendered woman, I guess, biological man. Anyway. Yeah. And um, he's now so- promoting uh, Tamara, um, a Nike sports bra. I mean, If you're not already boycotting Nike, folks, what more do you need? You know, to me, that isn't uh, inclusivity and equity and diversity. That is misogyny. You're having a man who doesn't even have breasts um, wearing a sports bra and promoting that to biological women. Tamara, you're a biological woman. Uh, Does that make you want to buy a Nike sports bra? I'd say that it makes me an expert. And um, (laughs) I would say that Dylan Mulvaney is not absolutely 100% not a woman, um, but has now taken up this role of being a transgendered woman influencer. And so like this, this person is now making billions of dollars um, on advertising campaigns with Nike. I think even he has partnered with M&M's. Um, and then now most recently Bud Light. So I don't know. I don't think we have a clip of Mulvaney himself, but for our viewers, oh, yeah, you might we're, not know. We're running can... it right now. Um, oh, let's run it. Okay. I'll, I'll ask Perfect. Super Producer Efren, do we have one with the audio too, uh, Efren? Okay. Just give us one second, folks, and we'll, uh, see the latest, um, example of, a folks thing oh, for corporate it. America. Unbelievable. Let's roll it. Hi. Impressive carrying skills, right? I got some Bud no. Lights for us. So I kept hearing about this thing called March Madness, and I thought we were all just having a hectic month, but it turns out it has something to do with sports. And I'm not sure exactly which sport, but either way, it's a cause to celebrate. This month, I celebrated my day 365 of womanhood, and Bud Light sent me possibly the best gift ever, a can with my face on it. Check out my my Instagram story to see how you can enjoy March Madness with Bud Light and maybe win some money, too. Love ya! Cheers! Go team! Whatever team you love, I love, too. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So cringy. Uh, Tamara, uh, let me say one thing here. If I was a biological female and I just saw that ad, I am deeply offended because it plays up mm-hmm. the stereotype that women are morons when it comes to sport. Um, not only, uh, oh, March Madness, I think that's a sport. I don't know which one. I know several females that are hardcore sports fans. And the idea, I mean, how can you live in America and not know that March Madness is the NCAA basketball tournament? I mean, it's, I think, second only to the Super Bowl, for goodness sakes. So this idea that, oh, now that I'm a woman, day 365, I've lost my brain cells. I don't even know what I'm promoting. I mean, Tamara, aren't you offended as a biological woman listening to that claptrap? Well, and I mean, were there no actual women that Bud Light could have recruited for this kind of campaign? Um, Yeah, just being a flighty airhead and trying to embody all of the really 
inherently sexual features of what it means to be a woman. And Dylan Mulvaney is not actually often identifying himself as a woman. He wants to be a girl. He <laughs> repeatedly tries to identify as some sort of like minor, underage, oh, weird, no. like prepubescent girl. He's not all about being a woman. He wants to literally be a little girl. It's so bizarre. Screams mental illness. Um, but for our viewers, maybe we could get some comedic relief with uh, comedian Ben Bankus, <laughs> who is also trying to solicit himself to be part of Bud Light's um, inclusivity strategy. And, and you know I, what? Is, I want to make sure this clip's appropriate. Maybe it's not. Well, you know what? Uh, yeah, we, you have been forewarned. But before we throw to that clip, I just want to <laughs> say this to my American friends, because uh, Bud Light is brewed under license in Canada by Labatt. And they mm -hmm. did something even as stupid as that last uh, summer. They came out with these gender pronoun cans. So Zezer, they, them, Zizor. Oh, yeah. uh, and I went That's to right. Labatt's headquarters in London. Can anyone define what these mean? And nobody could. And then I was told to leave the property, of course. So there's your inclusivity. But I'm going to make an appeal to my our, our American viewers. I know we're supposed to be boycotting Bud Light, which I fully advocate. Um, but could one of you please purchase uh, the uh, Mulvaney Bud Light can? I smell future collectible. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if in the days ahead, Anheuser-Busch recalls all those cans. And um, and I'm not at, don't buy a two four, don't buy a six pack, just one can with uh, that goof's face on it. Because I'm I'm thinking, Tamara. That is a future collectible in the years and decades ahead. The, the day when Bud Light and its marketing managers lost their minds. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe we can show a quick clip of Ben Bankus impersonating <laughs> a woman for Bud Light's inclusivity strategy. Oh, this is horrible. <laughs> I challenge you, Dylan Mulvaney, to be gayer than this. I don't know if you know who I am, but I am a female to male trans. I am blind, and I am also going to do a sponsorship deal with Bud Light. So today, for the gay, trans, blind community, uh, I am going to be uh, drinking this Bud Light in the name of... Oh, he's going to shotgun uh, it. Look at this. <laughs> True manhood there. Dylan Mulvaney, who is my idol. <laughs> I hope one day hope to be as famous and rich and white as Dylan Mulvaney. <laughs> Cheers and thank really you to, to see him shotgun this. trans people all over the world for everything they've done for human rights. And sorry to the Muslim community who is experiencing their first Pride Month in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is a spokesperson if I ever saw one. Wow. Oh, he didn't get oh. shotgun the whole thing. I think I'm too gay to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh anyway all right uh there's ben bankus if anyone wow. wants to check him out he became famous for his Teresa tam impersonations super funny well, i don't you know, know about and, famous and we must anyway, admit, well say, known. 
you know, Tamara, the Toronto mayoralty race, it's now up to 43 candidates, including Mr. Ben Bankus, or is it Ms. Ben Bankus? Um, I was very distracted by those rainbow colored stripes on his nipples there. <laughs> um, but I heard him in a radio interview with our good friend, uh, Richard Serrett at Saga 960. Uh, Richard's mm -hmm. doing fantastic work on that radio station. And Ben yes. Bank has uh, announced his platform and two planks uh, stand out. Uh, if elected mayor of Toronto, he will not only rename uh, Dundas Street as something else, but every street in Toronto that was named after a straight white male will now be named after an indigenous person. And also he's going to ban um, male sports. So goodbye Toronto Maple Leafs, goodbye Toronto Raptors. It'll be the WNBA team and the, um, the female hockey team, the WHL, I think it is. And it's not to say that males can't participate anymore, but as a male participating in the female basketball league and the female hockey league, you just only have to identify as female. So it'll turn into a of male course. sports franchise anyway. But you know, Tamara, in a way, this nonsense, it's beyond parody because mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. could see some crackpot leftist uh, person out there actually embracing a platform like that. Sadly, absolutely. Um, and I, I want to, there's so much to, to dissect there with <laughs> Dylan Mulvaney and Bud Light. And we had so many clips to share with you um, of their VPs and their marketing strategy. But I just want to get to one more topic here because I have an interview, um, a really important one, actually. Well, I think it's important, of course, but with genomics expert Kevin McKernan about some of the things he's been dissecting dissecting out of the Pfizer vials. Um, but we, I want to just touch on something else before we end the stream because okay. it's in our title. And that's uh, that Pierre Polyev, so that's the leader of the opposition, yes. we discussed him earlier, how he has sent a letter to Twitter requesting that Elon Musk accurately label the CBC as government-funded media. So Love it. I know that it was discussed. Yeah, here it is. Um, it was discussed yesterday that BBC News uh, interview that Elon Musk had where, I mean, he schooled them about this claim of hate speech and misinformation. But yes. here we have Pierre Polyev in his open letter um, regarding Twitter's practice of identifying certain accounts on Twitter, obviously, as government funded media. Twitter's platform use guidelines describe the practice as follows. Government-funded media is defined as outlets where the government provides some or all of the outlet's funding and may have varying degrees of government involvement over editorial content. Twitter's platform use guidelines refer to a source that describes the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, i.e. the CBC, as a publicly funded broadcaster. The CBC's 2021-2022 annual report disclosed that it received almost $1.24 billion dollars the vast majority of its funding from the Canadian government, and he provides the link. As a result, and in the interest of transparency, I believe that Twitter should apply the government-funded media label to the CBC's various news-related ac accounts, including, and he tags them at CBC, at CBC News, and at CBC Alerts. Sincerely, you know, Pierre Polyev. I, I love it, and I want to see what CBC will do if indeed labeled government-funded media, which it is mm -hmm. to the tune of billions and to whatever thus. Because yeah. yesterday, Tamara, in the United States, uh, 
Twitter labeled NPR National Public Radio as government-funded media, which it is. And guess what NPR did? No, we're taking our ball and going home. We're quitting Twitter. Really? You're giving yeah. up audience of billions of eyeballs uh, because you had your feelings were hurt because it's a statement of fact. So I just wonder, what do you think, Tamara, uh, if a CBC uh, in the days ahead is indeed labeled government funded media? Are they going to grin and bear it or are or like NPR, take their ball and go home? Yeah, I mean, uh, I wonder if the CBC would be so, so offended by <laughs> being called out for what they really are, which is <laughs> no, a state broadcaster. <laughs> and we should all, we should promote that all Canadians take what they have to say and the way that they report and the spin that they put on their editorial positions with a grain of salt, that we should be aware that this is state-backed, state-funded, a large part state-funded media. And um, that whatever the flavor of the day is for the government, whatever agenda that they're trying to push through or policies or whatnot are going to be promoted unquestionably by the CBC, right? Media is there to speak truth to power, to report the facts, to investigate. And as we've seen over the past several years, but primarily over the last three years, and uh, Rodney, Rodney Palmer, who's for, former CBC journalist, 20 plus years of experience, investigative journalism, foreign missions, et cetera. He did a delegation at the National Citizens Inquiry. It was approximately an hour long and you can find it on their Rumble channel. Highly recommend anyone who's questioning the merit of the mainstream media and their journalists to go and give that a watch because he dissects the difference between news gathering, which is what a media outlet should do, and propaganda. And he gives all the instances over the last three years where the CBC engaged in blatant propaganda while they callously disregarded actual news gathering. And um, and he calls that really um, a traitor, that they have betrayed Canadians by being propagandists, put by being propaganda pushers and disregarding the facts and following real news gathering. Um, so I would love to see the CBC accurately labeled for their propaganda and state broadcasting because they're clearly not an independent media source. And in many instances, they need to be fact-checked, in my opinion. Tamara, I, I regretfully, I have to once again correct you at the beginning of your statement. You said when it comes to CBC propaganda, you must take it with a grain of salt. No, no, no. A shovelful of salt. Okay, <laughs> a grain is not nearly enough salt when it comes to CBC propaganda. So there you go. Tamara, mm -hmm. do we have any more uh, super chats? Yes. So before we leave you here this afternoon, we have a couple super chats. Uh, Five dollars from Georgie. Georgie, thank you. Does David like Bud Light? You know David? what? No. Um, I. This is what makes me so, you know, outraged. Uh, Tamara over the Bud Light boycott campaign is that I was already boycotting it, not for um, transgender cans and pronoun cans, but because, well, I would call Bud Light horse piss, but I really don't offend the <laughs> equestrian community. It's not a good beer. I'm sorry. There are yeah. so... Now with the explosion of cottage brewers, and don't get me wrong, there are major brewers that make wonderful beer, Labatt 50 comes to mind. But there, you know, Bud and Bud Light, 
It's all about marketing. It is the sizzle, not the steak. So I was already boycotting that product based on the quality of the product, uh, Tamara. Mm -hmm. So that's why I couldn't get on board with the boycott. I was already there <laughs> years ago. <laughs> there you have it. Straight from David. Uh, Bonnie Daniel Eschelein. Sorry if I probably completely butchered them that but they give five dollars i would not allow my child to attend this school i'm assuming that you're referring to the holton district school board um specifically oakville trafalgar which is where busty was a former employee i would have pulled my kids out ages ago the school board should be fired all administration needs to be gone yeah i think a lot of people echo those sentiments and interestingly, if you do pull your child from the school board, I can't remember what it is offhand, but I think it's approximately each school board for each student gets approximately $13,500 per mm. year per pupil. So when you start pulling your children out of school and you make your voice known and you make your reasoning, your rationale known to the school board why you're doing this, they lose $13,500 a year. Now, I think that was 2019 to 2020 numbers, so it could have changed slightly, but that's a approximate here in Ontario what each individual school board gets per student per year. Um, so I am a big advocate for money talks, but sadly, we don't have school choice or charter schools like they do, for instance, in Alberta, where that money could then follow the student, your child, wherever you would choose to educate them. Um, so it's just like banished, gone into thin air. The school board doesn't receive it. Where does it go? I guess back into the pockets of the bureaucrats, not you, the parent who still has to pay presumably out of pocket for some form of education for your child. So um, I think that there is room there for maybe some sort of reform on how the education funding works in our province and maybe take it from a model that's similar to how Alberta goes about it. But, um, you know, that's a, a topic maybe for another day. Um, but yeah, I think that 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 sentiment that people should pull their children and, and really exercise their democratic voice, follow the money, money talks. Um, I, I would agree there. I am 100% on board with you and the viewer, uh, Tamara. Um, just imagine we roll back the clock to September, the beginning of the school year, and this uh, crazy Bussy Lemieux story gets get, it keeps getting international publicity. Oakville Trafalgar, which I understand is a good school in normal times, um, mm -hmm. becomes the butt of jokes the world over. Just imagine all the parents pull their kids and teachers show up to the next school day and it's empty classes. How long would the Halton District School Board tolerate that? But you know what? They are such woke joke idiots at that board, Tamara. I wouldn't be surprised if they'd say, well, we're still standing behind Kayla Lemieux in the name of <laughs> diversity, even though uh, the school is now resembling a haunted house. Or maybe they would do, finally do the right thing. And by, by doing the right thing, at the very least, implement a dress code, which Canada's top labor lawyers say you can do even in a heavily unionized environment. But no, they are so stupid, they are so woke, they are so stubborn. Um, and that leads to the other part of your statement. Um, time for the Ministry of Education to dismantle the school board, which is in their power. They are a creature of the province. But again, Stephen Lecce, he is the education minister of a toothless tiger professional wrestling referee.
Uh, David, thank you for <laughs> elaborating your insights there. All right, I have to run to my next scheduled interview. Oh, and well. So, David, the, do you want to? The world, you see, folks, the world revolves Always. around Tamara Ugolini. Whatever what she say? schedules, we have to abide by. I'm just teasing you. No, I, I, I know you got a very important interview to coming up. So, thank so you so much for co hosting. So offended, David. <laughs> Tamara and. Um, our thanks again to uh, Efren, our super producer. And thank you to everybody that tuned in, especially those of you who are so generous to give a financial donation. I'll be back in this seat tomorrow at 1 o'clock Eastern. And as always, folks, stay safe and stay sane.